0: Let's share it on Facebook real quick so we can get our Facebook. You know, Facebook, IG, Sador Radio. We recording for YouTube and for the podcast. Damn, you can't say you you can't find us. <laughs> Look, we yeah. Hauser uh, We
1: uploading
0: to Facebook. <sighs> the Facebook.
1: Go live.
0: Inside.
2: Reflection
1: and Straight to the Again, you turn it
0: over live are not going to have enough time to get yeah, we on Facebook and go ahead, dark Darkchild. You can introduce us. We live on Facebook. Good,
1: good.
3: good evening, early
0: you got your mic. You must got your real quick. Hold dark. You must got your mic covered because you sound muffled. I barely can hear you. Which one? The you the, the Zoom. Hold on. Let me, Let me
3: switch over. Come on now. There you go. Oh, on a stand, I had the switch stand.
0: Right, let's get busy, simply do You keep jumping off, coming back on. I don't know what's going on.
3: Good evening, good evening, good evening.
1: Still sound welcome. Up.
3: Welcome again. Eight people smart, right? Welcome yeah,
1: everybody. Doing a nice job. Of-
3: an open conversation. Right. You low? Why are you so low today?
0: Me? Yeah, you keep being low.
2: John
0: Wherever you got your mic, you low. What's good, Joe? What's good? You're listening to the Door present Open Conversation Show here. This is more than music. What's up to our IG viewers, our Facebook watchers, and our listeners that's on the Door Radio? And for everybody that's watching this. Afterwards, on our YouTube channel, Sador Radio, and the podcast listeners, Sador Radio. Damn, I feel like I didn't did the whole show after introducing. <laughs>
1: sound well,
0: a
3: little bit better?
0: No, step back, fall back a little. Say something. Well,
3: I sound a little better.
0: Yeah, a little better. Go ahead, you got it. All
3: right. Welcome to Sador Presents: An Open Conversation with your host, the Philadelphia Princess Comedy. Miss Darkchild and the man to my left and to my right, you know who he is. He needs no introduction. Definitely going to get this name of this show.
0: Up. <laughs> you still muffled. I can hear you because I'm struggling, but I know the viewers and the listeners can. hear y'all know. Go to your office. That's where you should be at. In your office. That's why you got the whole sound booth and everything done. you trying to relax in the room. That's why you okay. go. I I had my foot up, so... That's what it was? Yeah. Yeah, you still low. Simply D, I know Simply D is on. He's going to jump in and out. Anyway, I know we are all over the place today, and it's going to be rough for me, because I just left the dentist probably 10 minutes ago. So I apologize for our tardiness coming on a little late. I apologize to our guests also for being a little late. That's why I pushed it back a little bit, because usually we bring our guests on 6.30, 6.45, so... Y'all probably won't catch the beginning of the show, but you catch the important, important part of the show, and that's bringing my man, Will. That's cool if I call you Will or what you wanna be called yeah. tonight.
4: That's cool, yeah, that's cool.
0: Will, bring my man yeah. Will on. He was on our show maybe four years ago. If I'm, it was around four years ago, I think.
4: No, it was longer than that. It longer than it eight, that? Nine years ago. <laughs>
0: it was like I know we was on the uh, the other situation of Penton Avenue.
1: Yeah, and, that's uh, way
0: a while Yeah, yeah. And we talked about some things. See, it was like maybe five years ago, five, six years ago. Time flying, I'm telling you. Yeah. Can't keep yeah. track. So, plus, so much going on. It's hard. <laughs> to so, so introduce yourself to everybody for me um, while Miss Dark Child gets herself together, as far as on her end, and what you do, and why we brought you on tonight, which, uh my opinion, you are an important part of everything that's going on, people like yourself is trying to balance this whole thing that here as far as the craziness, you know. And I see you got a building, salute to that also. So yes. tell, tell us about what's going on with you.
4: Well, right now, um, I'm working on, my focus right now is to actually uh, reestablish the RFP movement, which is Redemption, Forgiveness, Peace. I started this probably 2015, the actually organization, which is uh, stemming from uh, the power forgiveness documentary that Fox News did on me and um, the brother who life I took, um, his brother, actually, and another friend of ours, um, to discuss the issue about, you know, losing his brother's life and me taking his brother's life and what happened between that and things against me. Um, Trying to take my life for for a while, a long time now, and, um, and you know we came to a point of forgiveness, and uh, we had a real good conversation, deep conversation the first time we met, him. and um, we decided to take this a little further um, to show the world that. Th- there's other ways to solve disputes as opposed to just picking up a gun and um, taking revenge or killing someone. I know everyone don't have a strength to do that. So it took a, a certain amount of strength for this guy to really come to a point where as though he can actually talk to me face to face, face his brother's killer face to face and then have a conversation like that. <clears throat> and some of the problems that we have today is a lack of conversation um, that ultimately goes left and then you know goes to to violence or a loss of, of loved ones' life in general. So, um, you look at all the murders that happened last year, um, probably 90% of the murder was, was motivated by arguments. You know I'm saying, or it was actually um, actually um, a, a re what you call a, um, a revenge murder based on some kind of argument that someone else they liked. So, uh, just looking at the art of conversation or how you actually can be able to communicate with people and express yourself in a better way. So we decided to um, reestablish the RFP movement, uh, which we did like the barbershop mentoring at one time. We was in different barbershops mentoring young kids, probably like a hundred young men and women we had for like six years uh, that worked. And um, then I went off, start traveling, speaking around the country and also doing that work in other schools and and prisons around the country. And also with a lot of millionaires who who also give conferences, so uh, I spent my education and teaching those guys too as well, and also learning from a lot of those guys uh, in those big conferences like that that happens all around the country. So I decided, to, um, during COVID, I wanted to come back with the information I already had and some of the knowledge I received from other um, uh, from other well-educated men that you ain't gonna find in the college nowhere. Uh, you only find those kind of conferences and information I gathered from them and coming back to Philadelphia to start teaching that in Philadelphia. So one of the things I really can knew. Can you hear me? Can you hear me? Can you hear me? Yeah. I-
3: OK, let me let, just let's step back real fast. OK. Um, For those that don't know. The beginning of your story. Okay. okay. Explain a little bit more about the beginning of your story.
4: Uh, which one? Beginning beginning is a young kid growing up, or where you want me to start from? <laughs> At the beginning is like without the kid, so <laughs>
3: start from with a situation where you took the young man's life,
4: okay? So, yeah, so, what
3: brought all of that about?
4: Well, I mean, it was about I mean, two a bunch of young men in the community raising single parent homes, um, uh, dealing with a lot of trauma growing up, uh, mm-hmm. the hurt, the lack of education, and um direction, I mean, and we was on the streets hustling, doing our thing, you know, um, got into an argument, altercation with another group of guys and turned into a shootout at a skating rink. Whereas though, uh, I took a young man's life and another friend of mine got shot too as well Then we went to prison. I went to prison, you know, facing the death penalty because of all the charges they had against me, like aggravated assault attempted murder on a witness and a, murder, and a homicide, conspiracy and gun charge. So I was really facing the death penalty at first. And then um, my, my, my my lawyer kind of got the charges wrapped me in a hearing, whereas only I was facing life for the one murder and aggravated assault. Um, the blessing of the creator, I was able to beat the aggravated assault, just get convicted of the murder and I was found guilty of third degree, which I only received initially 25, about 15 to 30 years, like that. But I got some, like, five to 10 years suspended. So I wound up doing a whole 20-year sentence, 10 years in, 10 years out. But during the time I was incarcerated, I took the liberty to re-educate myself and re- re- um, reinvent myself by just seeking information and seeking knowledge on personal development and growth. Because I knew I was a lost kid. I knew I was a hurt kid. I knew I was misdirected. And things I knew um, that I was better than, especially my environment and the things that I was doing. So I wanted to discover, to see how how great I can become. I mean, and I began to do that. And I, as I began to transform my life, I began to help other men in prison do the same thing. You know, and I just took on that initiative to just educate our community because there was a, there was a lack in our community, a lack of education of self, uh, personal identity, personal um, personal growth, all the things we look like. And then when so I came home-
3: So did you know this young man?
4: Yeah,
1: I know yeah. him. Yeah.
3: Okay, so it was like what these young, what these young fellas
1: mostly we lost.
3: Go, go through now. Child.
0: We lost him, give him a minute to get back on. What's going on, IG? We trying something new, so work with us. Um, this is Mark Five, Ms. Dark Sador Radio presents open conversation show here. The first and third Thursday, 6 PM to 8 p.m. Today we have a special guest, Mr. Will. He's jumping back on now. So give us a second.
4: Remember, but, he, I got a phone call. On. All right,
0: there you go. You good.
3: Right, there Mr. we man. go.
1: What was your question?
3: So a lot of what we're, what what happened was, um, I need to turn. Yeah, turn down your IG. Time, I gotta system turn system. it completely off, cuz. Yeah,
0: turn it down. We don't need to hear nothing.
3: Not it, it, it's, it's killing me. Um, So, it's,
1: it's, what, it's, it's, uh, what, what I heard, you had
3: an argument
1: with somebody else.
3: Like these young fellas in the street normally do.
1: Right.
3: You handle it the way they handle it now. Mm -hmm. Comes to the gunplay, but what was it, and when was it that you changed your mindset and
1: said, "I've got to
3: do something because now I'm responsible, or I feel like I." a part
1: of
4: what's going on in these streets. Well, I think most most likely um the change came in when you know my son was born when I was incarcerated. Um, a few months later, uh, my, my girl at the time had a had a child. We had a son. And that kind of was more of the eye opener for me to say, look, I don't want my son growing up kind of environment I grew up in. Um, not having directional guidance from his father because i grew up in a single parent home my father i'm originally from north carolina so that's where i was born but i was raised in philly uh, since i was probably six months or something like that so i knew that um he wouldn't be able to survive in the streets that i grew up in i mean by himself. so i knew uh one thing i had to do was really help him i mean so the things that the change started with him and he started with me first wanted to do that as time went on you know I started to see myself as being better than the environment I grew up in and not wanting to be in jail for the rest of my life, not wanting to be 60, 70 years old, mopping the floors in somebody's know, dining hall. You know, So um, that even put more um, focus on my transformation. And I knew the only way I could be a good father to my son is to transform my life, is to educate myself. So, so son I started.
1: Your son gave
3: me purpose.
4: Yeah, that's right. He was the why. He was my why in initially. And then other things became my wife as well.
3: So, how was it that they gave you 10 years incarcerated and 10 years suspended?
4: Well, um, they gave me 20 years, really. 10 years I did in, inside, 10 years I did outside on parole. But they suspended the five to 10 years that they had run a while, which would have been like 15 to 30 years altogether. But they suspended that. I don't know, the judge judge suspended it. So I was thankful for that. But um, during the time of my incarceration, I just knew that um, I had to change my life in order for me to um, be out again on the street and not come back. That's my whole goal, never to come back to prison. So was that the
3: first time you were incarcerated?
4: Yeah, it was like the first time I was really incarcerated. I was locked up before for drugs, probably Two months prior to that, you know, um, I wanted to beat the drug case when I was in court. Um, for, going to court for the homicide, I wanted to go to court for the drug case and beat the beat the drug case. So, only thing I had to worry about was the homicide.
3: So that two months that you spent incarcerated on that drug case wasn't yeah. enough to make you think, "Yo, I don't want to do this. I don't want to be here.
4: No, not, not at the moment. I mean, at the time I was there, I was only there for three days so I built myself up. You know, so I didn't really feel the effects of being in prison. That's the first time I've been caught for anything. I mean, I've been I've been in the streets since I was like 15 years old doing a whole lot, a lot of crazy stuff. But the first time I was caught was for that drug case. And then uh, once I got out, you know, I was chilling. I was home. I, was, I wasn't I going to hustle again. But eventually um, I became right back to influence reverted right back to my behavior once I uh, like a week out, a week and a half back home. I started hanging with my friends again, started being in the same environments again, and then it became natural. So I went back to doing the same thing I was doing.
3: So that <laughs> homicide, at what point during that homicide, that bid that you was doing for that homicide, did you realize this just wasn't it? This was more than I bargained
4: for. Three months um, in, two months in, a year in. No, I mean, um, I, I accepted the responsibility in the crime or in the punishments when I got locked up. I mean, so I already knew that. I mean, it was it was over for me once I got locked up. Um, oh. I was just hoping for a lighter sentence. Uh, during the time, I was hoping that I wouldn't get life. That's how I was just, because I had a lawyer and everything else, Hope I didn't get life, but I was able to get out eventually at one time because I knew I had a son or, or I knew I had a child about to be born. So um, the thing for me was to just try to just get myself together regardless of what the outcome was going to be. I mean, get my life together regardless. And that's why I started going back to school. I started I got my degree, And then I started self-education. I mean, about developing. Trying to figure out who I was and you know, how did I became that person on the street, you know, opposed to um, being a young kid I grew up as and with morals and scruples and you no know, respect, uh, just respect for life, respect for myself and my parents. I mean, so we all, I think we all grew up. I mean, we all were born in that natural state of being, you know, pure and being kind and, and happy with young people. But it's the environment that helps, the environment that changes your mindset. Your experience changes your mindset. So. Before the street, before the streets, the trauma that took place, like a lot of the kids and young people and even adults right now, still have, still are impacted by the trauma they experienced as a teenager or a child growing up. I mean, and with minds was more so that uh, when I start doing the self evaluation, when I start working on myself, I start to discover those things that happened to me in my life that made my mind change to be the way it was. I mean. Not being, not caring, dehumanizing myself, being void of emotion, you know, and things of that nature. So, the mindset uh, was was important key for me in order for me to make that transformation. I had to change my mindset. You know
3: Islam. While you were incarcerated, did you find Islam, or were
1: you Muslim before?
4: No, I, I, I embraced Islam when I was in prison. I was born. My family, My whole family's. It's from down south, so we all church people. <laughs> so so um, as I was in, of um, a lot of my friends were Muslim, but I, I didn't convert to Islam um, on the street. But a lot of my friends were Muslim on the street. But my thing was, I was in doing a self-evaluation and learning about life. You know, um, I went back to church inside the prison. And the things that, um, you know, I always questioned as a kid going to church, I started questioning now as a 19-year-old, 20-year-old. Young man, I started questioning those same things again, and started trying to investigate uh, more about the belief I was taught all my life. I mean, then once um, I, I investigated, I came to a point where I was, I was just don't believe in God, not religion at all. I came to that point. I mean, until I was um, I overheard a conversation with a Muslim and a Christian. I mean, a uh, conversation between a Muslim and a Christian comparing comparing the books. And then I just eavesdropped on the conversation and then it was curious. And the more I was curious about it, the more I was able to get a book, get a Quran, and start reading the Quran and just read the chapters of the Quran, of the where so I already knew from the Bible, because I knew the Bible verbatim. You know what I'm saying? We, we lived we lived practicing in the church, basically. Right? My grandma was a, a great big preacher in the South, um, a major preacher in the South, um, in Virginia North Carolina. so. That's what we grew up on. But um when I was from my investigation of it, I just came to a point where though, like Islam kind of makes more sense. You know I'm saying this part make more sense in the kind this mark made more sense to me. So I just started following more and more and more. And then eventually I converted to Islam. Well. That's how I became Muslim.
3: So now that you're out and you're speaking publicly to um about your trials and tribulations in your journey and it went through, how does it feel and what perspective do you bring your journey to the folk, to the kids, to the youth? As I see you speak to a lot of youth.
4: Yeah, I I kind of focus on a holistic approach like everyone, like adults and young people. Um, I started off mentoring young kids, uh, going to every school in the city of Philadelphia, going to the juvenile centers, going to the prisons on State Road. You know, that's my early years when I was released, like in 2000, 2001, 2002. Um, then I started seeing the problem more so lies at home. I'm saying not too much with the children, because even the young kids, you may have them for two hours mentoring them. They still got to go back to their own place, their home, where most of their influence is at in their own house. And um, I see the need that there has to be a point where, though, not only just mentoring the young people, but also coaching the adults. You know what I'm saying, and I don't see the problem with the young people. I think the, the young people are just um, picking up learned behaviors from their environment. I think the problem really lies with the adults, you know, and the trauma they're dealing with and have not dealt with, or uh, just actually um, spilling that out on the youth, you know. So. I don't really fault the youth. I mean, a lot of us even, even me, think of myself as a young kid growing up, you know, it's just that I didn't have the tools um, or I did have the tools, but no one was there to show me the tools to use in order for me to navigate my way through life. And just a lot of us have um, young people who have mixed managed emotions and a lot of adults have mixed managed emotions. I mean, so as well. So one of the things I, I, focused, I focused on specializing in was that emotional intelligence which is something that's only taught in the rich communities, not taught in our community. You know, and, um, and I've seen that as I travel around the country speaking at these big conferences with 600 millionaires are there. You know I'm saying um, that go, go to these conferences like we go to clubs and go to bars. But I'm saying to myself, my, the first shocker was for me when I first went to a conference and spoke was to be sitting around in the midst of a whole bunch of millionaires continue to educate themselves on their own personal development. And I was wondering like, why are y'all here? you already successful, you're rich, you know? And it's like your personal development is connected to your financial development. Right, and, and a I, lot I of people before. don't
3: understand what um, emotional intelligence
4: Right. Right. Exactly. Exactly. That's, that's why I was, when I started teaching it last three years here, it was, it was like pulling teeth because it was, people really didn't fathom or understand the idea of what that was, even leadership, even the mayor, even all those dudes I talked to them about implementing emotional intelligence in schools and prisons. And um, they didn't have a clue what it was or how powerful it is or how impactful it could be in transforming the lives of individuals. You know, so I'm still pushing that envelope here in the city of Philadelphia, I still hold emotional intelligence classes uh, every Saturday for free. Um, I just did a big conference uh, at 23rd and Snyder this past Saturday on emotional intelligence and neuroscience, the mindset, how you transform the mindset, how you hack your brain for success. And uh, we had very few people come out, like with 20, 30 people, when the room should have been up to 300 people um, packed. But our community is very unaware of, the importance of personal development or the tools they need in order for them to actually create a better life for themselves. We're very unaware of that because we lack that kind of education and you don't know what you don't know. So, um, But you
3: know what? And I'm going to say this because you just made that comment. I'm going to say that uh, when the police encounter these young men out on the street and they catch them with small amounts of drugs or enough drugs, they should send them to A class like yours, right? And make it mandatory that they attend like one or two sessions. Mm. Bring back the proof, and then let them go. Right. If you don't, then you're gonna learn that same education, but it's just gonna be behind bars.
4: Right. Well, see, that's the thing is that the thing is that there are there are many programs like that here. Um, that, um, there are course that for young men who get incarcerated or have house arrest to go to. It's just that they're not providing that kind of information. They don't have that kind of knowledge to teach them, you know? So what I'm doing now, I'm actually in a, in a, um, in a position to start training individuals, that kind of curriculum about emotional intelligence, like paying, um, up your anti-violent anti-drug network even training their staff to teach young men and women that they're servicing so it's just about them getting the training and being equipped enough to share that kind of knowledge and information to them so they can use them tools once they get out the system or once while they in the system to navigate their way to create a better life for themselves because what's that what stands between your success and your failure is your knowledge I mean, I'm living proof of that, because I could have went back to the streets to start selling drugs again, carrying guns again. But because I educated myself, I, I knew there was a better way for me to you know, challenge myself to grow in a world where as though I'd never been in before. So um, coming home, I never had a job before. I never worked for someone before. I knew how to do with sell drugs. I mean, so I had to really challenge myself and be resourceful within my own means to actually push myself to do things I never did in order to get other outcomes I never did. So the reason why I'm on the stage I am right now um, and have received all the um, accolades and rewards from the city and also from other people around the country is because I challenged myself to do something new, something different. And that's the reason why I have a documentary on Amazon Prime right now called Behind the Bullet um also um the documentary we done with fox news got an emmy award for it 2015. um another project i got going on right now in hollywood a major project bigger than all those two that um me and a brother um of the deceased we are working on together so we're still working together doing things and in, in, for society for the communities even this rfp there's movement a, there's huh? a
3: gentleman in the city of philadelphia his name just eluded my head he goes back and talks to people that have been incarcerated and come out and turn their life around so far i think he did three episodes he did one on a young lady who came opened up a soul food restaurant
1: yes.
3: um another gentleman who said he hadn't seen this spot in Philadelphia for 40 years. This was the last spot that he saw before his crime. And he's going around mentoring. Why such separation of programs? Why y'all don't collaborate?
4: Why we don't collaborate?
3: Yeah, why don't people with great ideas and good programs collaborate
4: in our city. Oh, we do. Just people gotta know each other at <laughs> first. <laughs> it started off, we gotta know each other first and then it starts off with, um what are you, you teaching and educating? I mean, so, I mean, I collaborate. I've been like, I said, I've been doing this work for 20 years. So most of everybody's been doing this work, I already we, we know each other. You know, um and it's, it's, it's I mean, it's, it's like now, it's, it's I, I took a year Uh, hold on a second. Hey. Well, I took a year off because of COVID. Um, well, probably more than a year, probably a couple of years because when I was traveling, uh, I was I was still doing some work here in but I was mostly doing work around the country. But uh, i am still in touch with people who are actually doing the work um out here, and i am still connected with some people who are doing the work now. So yeah, we do collaborate together, we do things together. Like Mano Gunzone, we did the um, the Hope and Healing uh event that Saturday. We were doing another Hope and Healing event mm-hmm. in March. In mean, April, we're doing one with April. Um, then uh, with Big McFly, they're doing a tour, too, as well. So I'll, I'll, I'll collaborate them on a tour on 52nd Street at Malcolm X Park to speak to people out there. So we do collaborate um, a lot. Um, um I mean, United for Better, Fuller Love. I work with everybody, Seth Williams, Mother's in Charge. I don't collaborate with most everybody in the city that's, that's, that's doing this kind of work. So and the fact that we don't collaborate, or if we didn't collaborate it's because, in fact, we don't know each other.
0: Oh, okay.
3: Makes
0: sense. So, so real quick with the uh event last Saturday, give a little bit of information on that because I know you said that you're going to do another one in April next month. Right. So tell us a little bit about this event that you are putting together that was last Saturday, so that way people can know that they need Mm. to come out next month. Right. Some of the things that they're missing.
4: Okay. So, um, like I said, when I was when I was traveling around the country doing these conferences, um. Uh, I decided, no, we need something like this in Philadelphia. We need a conference in Philly and get our people more engaged in learning from conferences opposed to just learning from school and colleges. You know, um, so the first one I did was 2000, was last year, actually it was last year, Take um, Ticket Life Back Conference. And I have several speakers from Philadelphia who may live in different areas now in New York, Washington, DC, that came through the trenches, grew up, got their career going and became successful. And they came back to start speaking to the community. We had a bit, probably 80, 90 people there at that event. And um, what we talked about was financial literacy, things that I'm talking about in our community, their relationship with money. Um, us, talk, us talk about uh, emotional intelligence. Uh, we have other other brothers talking about, you know, um, being stuck in a trap, how you get out of the trap. And um, we had a few speakers. The, the audience loved it. I mean, it was very impactful, uh, very inspirational, very motivational. So they loved it. And, um, man, no guns on. We did another one event too, like that, whereas uh, we had like 70 people come from Delaware and Jersey and Philly, and all of them loved it. It's like a, I mean,
2: the information
4: is definitely, um, for most everybody who show up, I have some of the testimonies on my page. They look on my page and let the people talk about for themselves how they felt about the information they received from any of those events, and it exceeded their expectation. Wow, because most of us know, know the, um, Have this information in our mind, we just don't know how to put it together. You know, and what I do, I help people actually gather information that they already experienced in their own life or information they heard from someone else and just put the puzzle together. Whereas though you can have a new enlightenment, a new hope. Oh, well, oh, I should go about this way, I can go about it that way, or I can deal with my trauma, I can face my fears. I mean, and just give them a whole perspective on life in general, because we're not taught how to live, we're taught how to survive. That's and with this information, it's teaching you how to how to live. I mean, That's true.
0: the feedback, the feedback from the public and from support, not just the <laughs> Seth Williams and the, you know mothers in charge. Not them. Let's right. take them and put them to the left for a minute. I'm saying, far as the public, right. What's the feedback, are you getting? Do it seem like people are really gravitating to it, or does it seem like it's a pulling teeth? <laughs> no, 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 I mean, once
4: you once you get in the room, and all those testimonials I'm talking about are from people who are first time being exposed to that kind of information,
1: gotcha. you know?
4: So that's the testimonies I get. I don't get testimony from the organizations. I get it from the people and I want to hear what they're saying so I can know if there's a better way I can service them I'm saying it's a better way I can deliver the message. Right. You know, and like you said, if you go on my page right now, you'll see some testimonials up there too as well. I also do a one-on-one coaching. Now my business turned to one-on-one coaching, where people would call me who may be in a crisis right now, gonna be stressed right now, I'm going to be going through certain things, and I do a one-on-one with them, personal, a one-on-one, like you know, like a psychiatrist would do. But with my program, basically, and my curriculum is helping you find yourself within that, within that trouble, within that struggle, within that trauma, helping you identify what the problems are. And as you identify, I'm not telling you what to do or tell you how to think. I'm teaching you how to think. You know what I'm saying, right. and basically, when most people get done with that one-on-one session, some people just need one one-on-one session. Some people might come back for two or three for other things, but most people only need one session. I had a girl, a few people to go see psychiatrists, and said, "Look, I ain't getting nothing out of the medication. I want to come see you. I heard about what you your one-on-ones, so I want to come see you." So when they came to see me, I mean, I just reverse engineered their life basically and showed them that like, this is where the problem lies, the same way I did it with myself. I was able to transform my own life when I was in prison. I didn't have a psychiatrist, I didn't have a life coach. I mean, I didn't have a counselor, I had to do that on my own, you know. And because of the success I had with my own life in general, people started saying, Okay, well, I got to see what he's talking about, I got to see what he's teaching. Not only that, but other psychiatrists, I'm saying, when I go out and speak and I'm in front of these 600 audience, a thousand people in the audience, these people are educated. They went to school for neuroscience. They went to school for emotional intelligence. They know, they know know what I'm talking about now. I mean, so the thing is the fact that I want to bring that information here. And that's the reason why I'm trying to create the um, RFP um, um, home base out there on 23rd Snyder and revamp the whole building so we can have those kind of teachings in our community. And hopefully we can get the young people to understand the importance of emotional intelligence where they can manage their emotions better. They won't be so upset. They won't have so many layers of anger, so many layers of trauma. Uh, even for adults, won't have so many layers of anger and trauma. I mean, so they're going through deep depression. You know I'm saying slight mental illness. So these are the things that are affecting us. And once you understand how your thoughts and how your feelings um, shorten your lifespan, then you will start trying to think more healthier and think more positive opposed to thinking the way we've been taught to think.
1: Gotcha. Real quick,
4: Mr.
0: Fastlane, you got anything? Mr. Fastlane, any questions or anything? Because I know you deal with a lot of individuals that are incarcerated and stuff like that. So I definitely want to bring you to the forefront.
2: I I, I dealt with a lot of people that was incarcerated. As of last month, February 16th, I retired from the Philadelphia prisons. I walked away. So I, I don't have, I really don't have any questions. I'm just listening, learning.
0: Okay, mm-hmm. Assembly D. You... Yeah, I wanted to ask the brother, how do you how do you teach people to uh, change their way of thinking so that they don't fall into an emotional depression?
4: Well, um, one of the key factors is they, they gotta want it. They gotta want to change. And then once they want to change, it's basically now giving them the tools um, or sharpening their tools to understand where is this thinking coming from? Right? Because, because basically, your thoughts are language of your mindset, your feelings are the language of your body. And once you understand what you're communicating to yourself, then that's when that's when you can really start understanding how you're operating, how you function. And one of the things I look at to a person is that we all are a record of our experience. And because of our experience, it makes us see that what we see gives up, uh, gives us our perception on life and how we feel about ourselves, how we feel about other people. So once we start understanding who we are and saying how we are made, um, we can start standing ourselves more and start making better choices. Cause when you, when you, it's, it's a whole thing you break down It's a whole breakdown to everything that goes along with life in general. Now, when you talk about life, uh, My program called The Human System. We talk about the human system. is more so understanding yourself. Now, one of the questions I always ask people in any session or any class or any conference, the question I ask them is, who are you? Not your name, not your title, not who you work for, but actually, who are you? What are you made up of? You know what I'm saying, and people struggle with that. If I ask you what a doctor is, and you're a doctor, you're gonna break it down. If I ask you what a ball player is, what a ball player does, you're gonna break that down. When I'm, but I ask people, who are they? And I challenge them to ask, them, who are you? If I was an alien coming to a, to to Philadelphia, and I ran into you, and I'm actually, who are you, or what are you? How can you describe that? And most people can't describe it. So we're where we in. We're in an adi- identity crisis. If you're in an identity crisis, you can't really understand who you are and what you're capable of becoming and doing. I mean, so we start from there first. And then as we start from there, we start working on to, okay, um, one of the most important keys to personal development is reflection because reflection becomes your freedom. And because reflection is the freedom, is the simple fact that we have to take self inventory because if it's our experience it makes us who we are, then a lot of us don't really know our experience or we forget our experience because we study pushing through life day after day after day after day another experience another experience another experience you're just going through life just going through life and not knowing that all the things you are dealt with all the trauma you face that's really shaping your ideas shaping your mindset and shaping how you feel about yourself in the world i mean so once you start reflecting on that you say oh i became this way because of this i became this way because of that i know i became fearless because." when I was 13 years old, my, mom, my boyfriend put a gun to my head. So that's what triggered those kind of emotions, that trauma. I mean, that made me fearless of death when I was young, when I was in the street. You know?
3: What kind of person did you become because of being incarcerated?
4: Well, basically, incarcer- when I was incarcerated, I kind of used that as my, my, um, my foundation to grow. I mean, so I turned state penitentiary into my Penn State. I was just educating myself the whole time. I mean, so I was all about personal development and personal growth. I knew I had some things I had to work on. I had to work on my anger. I had to work on my, um, my, 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 um, my vocabulary, you know, um, my way to communicate with people because I was, a, I was a shy kid growing up. I'm, I'm an introvert by nature. So I didn't do a lot of talking. I'm doing a lot of speaking. Like now I do a whole bunch of speaking. I'm not surprised at how I speak so much right now because I got something to say and I know what need to be said. But when I was a kid, I was the quietest person in the house. I mean, so I had to really develop um, my speech. I had to develop my, um, my diction. I had to develop a lot of things. So I was just really working on myself, finding my weaknesses are and my strengths are. You know, and that's why I became the person I am today because I challenged myself to go against the grain. Uh, I challenged myself to detach myself from the person I was on the street to become a new person.
3: Did you do a lot of reading while you were incarcerated?
4: No, I, I didn't, only only in religion. I mean, like I said, when I first got to jail, I started studying the Bible all over again. Then I got to Islam and started studying Islam. There wasn't no really books there that will help you on personal development. A lot of a lot of people ask me that question. What books did you read? <laughs> so um, so um, most of my self-evaluation and, and knowledge about self came from me studying the Quran, or me just really digging deep within myself and finding those tools um, that I had in myself in order for me to be able to navigate while I was in the system. You know what I'm saying? Because I know people become um, institutionalized, or let the bid do them instead of them doing the bid, you know, or they have all this thinking thinking because there's a lot of negative energy going on. There's a lot of emotions, an emotional place to be in. Um, so with me, I had to learn how to control my emotions better. I don't know how to manage my anger better, because these are things that I know was gonna challenge me when I got out the street. I mean, because I'm in prison, I, I know drugs around me. I mean, no guns around me, and like that. So I really had to challenge myself to say, okay, I'm done with that. I am really com- I'm convicted in my heart that I'm done with that lifestyle. And once I go out, not to be tempted to go back into the streets, not to be tempted to go back to hustle, no matter what kind of position I am financially. I mean, because I was used to having money. Especially as a kid, because I hustle a lot. But now i coming home to work for another five. What's the same thing I said to myself? I don't work for seven cents and seven cents nine cents an hour in jail. So I can do that in the street. I don't wore the same browns for ten years. So I ain't gotta worry about dressing real nice and that. So I kinda humbled myself and understood that um what word I was used, um how it was run by um I can't remember right now, It probably comes to me, but I knew that I had to humble myself when it came, when we come out on the street and I had to be patient and not try to just catch up with anybody other Joneses and my friends were still hustling and selling drugs and doing things they was doing. I had to really detach myself from my friends too as well. just really go on my own purpose and focus. See, in life, a lot of people don't move in purpose, they just move. I, mean, right, right. I, I learned to move in purpose. That means I have a focus I have a direction. I have a plan, I have a goal that I'm trying to achieve. So I can't be distracted by no nonsense. You know, So that's one of the things I stuck to. I learned that in prison. I mean, I always have a plan. So I start planning my day every day. You know, what I'm doing from the morning to night, so I go to bed. Um, I started challenging myself to be uncomfortable. That's how I learned how to cut hair because I know how to cut hair when I was in jail. I learned how to cut hair when I came home, when I got a job because I couldn't get a job nowhere else because of my record. So I challenged myself to be uncomfortable in the setting of, of a public setting, where as though I'm not used to dealing with people, because like I said, I was an introvert. Um, i not used to dealing with, with attitude and I wasn't good at cutting hair, so I was gonna get some attitude from people at the time. So a lot of stuff I just challenged myself to do. You know what I mean, And a lot of us don't challenge ourselves enough or we don't wanna be uncomfortable enough to change, but only uncomfortability allows change. Comfort don't bring change, only uncomfortability allows
0: change. I was gonna ask you that. Do you feel as though people are so comfortable that when change comes, that's what gets them mad and move different?
4: Well, see, what change is that? Change is going to happen inevitably. Change is inevitable. Growth is optional. Right. I'm saying so. If you want to grow, then you have to be uncomfortable, or life will force you to change. Absolutely. Uh,
1: Absolutely.
0: So, so I know you said that you had some testimony uh, videos on your page. Can you give our viewers and our listeners your page so they can go and look at some of those uh, videos and stuff like that?
4: Yeah, um, I have I have three pages, but my main page is Latif underscore Musin M U H S I N L A T I F underscore M U H S I N, and that's
0: on Facebook and Instagram.
4: Instagram, Instagram. Facebook is Will Little or Will Latif Little.
0: Cool. Simply did you got another question? I know he's he's working, so at the same time he's listening, he's jumping in and out.
1: So right,
0: that's why I try to you know. Mr. Fastlane, I see you shaking your head. You don't have nothing. All the years you all the years you work with different individuals, you tell them you ain't got one question. Cause you unmute yourself. Unmute yourself first. I can't hear you.
2: Yeah, I, I've worked with some very intelligent brothers throughout the years. Yeah, my years working in prison. So absolutely not. It it doesn't surprise me to hear, you know, an, an intelligent brother that's out here that's making moves. And doing positive things and this is good stuff. So it's just me just sitting here listening, you know, and learning because you know that's that's, that's what we need to do. We need to sometimes just subdue our passion and just learn and just listen. So that always speaking. So today I'm just listening.
1: Got you, got
0: you. And 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 I think that's one of the main things that I appreciate you will for doing is sometimes people don't want to listen to people that haven't been through anything.
1: Right.
0: So with the different experiences in life that you've been through, and then be willing to you know, lay it out and tell individuals that's out here doing certain things, You know, that's the first thing that people say is, man, you don't know nothing about my lifestyle. You don't know what I'm going through. Because I hear a lot from different people. And I'll be like, wait a minute, just because you see me doing like films and radio and all the different things and working, trust me, I'm from Abbotsford Projects. So I've learned a lot and been through a lot and done a right. lot. So, you know, when people say that, it's like you would rather listen to someone teaching out of a book, which is not knocking that, right? But instead of listening to somebody that's been <laughs> that's been through the trenches and been through different things that's trying to give you knowledge and what what pathway you're walking down. It's not like you know, individuals haven't walked down that same path. It's just right. that you know uh God willed it that you able to tell that experience and also educate to try to avoid, have people avoid going down that same path, you know, so it, it and I always tell people that you'd rather spend 40, $50,000 to go learn from somebody from a book or somebody that's given free knowledge, you know, you're not even taking that time to just sit and listen, you know, right? and, and that's, I definitely want to salute you for taking time and, and, and definitely doing that. You know, so which what's, what's the game plan? Like what's the future plans? Five year plans, five years. What are you trying to? I know what you're doing, what you've done and what you're doing now, but what's the <clears> whole game plan and goal? Cause I know that you're um trying to more so get the building up and running. So what's right. the game plan? Say we we five years in. What's what's the movement? What's the plan?
4: Well, right now, I mean, one of the things I wanna I mean, I'm gonna travel, I'm still gonna start traveling again around the country once things all open up again. Um but also I want to try to establish a conference here in Philadelphia, have the city provide um, just resources to do uh, a conference, at least like every quarter of the year in different parts of the city, where we can all come in, we can really get the education we need as adults um, and as young people to help us grow and become the best versions of ourselves. And um, once we understand the importance of information and knowledge, That'll help change that trajectory of their life. Then we'll be more geared towards going to these kind of conferences, meeting people who are very positive and and motivational, um, having accountability partners that help us get through whatever journey we are on or whatever goals we got set for ourselves. And that's the kind of community we gotta build. We gotta build that kind of community and get people who are like mine. So we're really trying to grow together, so we can all you know push each other and then hopefully th- let us spill over to the masses where those the masses just follow, and they just follow behind something that's good, and something great. You know, so that's my journey. I went I to went more conferences uh, every quarter of the year, um, different parts of the city, and also just established this RFP mentoring program to be the number one program in the city to, um, you know, to help young people and adults.
1: Uh,
4: and then many other things, I got other projects working on outside of, outside of the state right here too, but like I said, we work on a big project in California so um, that comes to between this year and next year, then that's, that's another major thing, another major accomplishment that um, can also create more um, opportunities.
0: How can, how can people here in the city of Philadelphia uh, help? Like what can they do to support, you know, everything that you're doing? Because when it comes down to it, Basically, what you're doing is helping the city, you're helping the community, you're helping children, you're helping, as everybody always throwing out they change your mind, mind your mindset. Right. That's what you're doing. Right. So, how can, how can, like, you know, people help?
4: Well, I mean, for one, if you want to donate to the, not the, the GoFundMe page for the RIP, you can do that too on my page. You'll find the information on my Latif Mosin page or my Will Little. Um, page you'll find the information on there. Um, if you want to donate some money for that, whatever you can. Um, also, you can come to the free classes. You know, come to the free classes. I have one this Saturday actually on 18th and Sullis, a nice town section. 18th and Sullis that's near Ogans. 18th and Ogons. So, around 12 o'clock, I do um, a free emotional intelligence workshop at 12 o'clock at the um, Tough Love Cafe, and that's in. Nice Town section of Philadelphia. So if you want to come there on Saturday, you can show up there if you want to. Uh, just follow my page and I'll give you more information about the conference, the, the next one-day conference coming in uh, April. And then um, whatever else we got going on, uh, you can also, you know, check that out too. So you'll find, just follow my page and you'll find all the information you need. Uh, you can check out the um, documentary called Behind the Bullet on Amazon Prime. Check that out and see if they'll open your eyes to some things or inspire you to do some things too as well. And um, mainly that's it, you know, if you need to contact me a coach if you need a one-on-one session, uh, a coaching session, go to my page and just look at some of the one-on-one sessions I've done already. If you're in a crisis, your mindset, you're trying to focus on just trying to achieve different goals that you have desired to, to, to achieve this year. Are you trying to uh, reinvent yourself some kind of way? You just need more information and more awareness to that. Then just book a coaching session. They're real cheap. $70. I ain't charged a $500,000 but I only charge $70 for our people for an hour and 15 minutes to have that one-on-one sit down and we can just go dive deep into your life and how we can actually help you um, discover new things about yourself and change that's objective your whole life.
1: You know? also,
4: also, also, I want to mention too, I have a, a free book club on Sunday nights uh, dealing with personal development. Um, the book club is, um, is very powerful. It's growing. There's people from all around the country uh, that's involved in it, and the book we're studying is right now is this book right here. Um, let's see if I can see.
0: I got that book, <laughs>
4: Yeah, you got <laughs> You can't, yeah, yeah, they, can't
0: they, the they book. can't, they can't see it because the uh, because <coughs> the, the virtual back uh drops, okay, okay? Yeah, okay. but. Real quick, we ain't rushing you off yet. We got we got some time, but okay. we got time. We got some time. Okay. Simply did. Simply did. Simply. Wait, wait. I, I wait one one second. Started. Dark, real quick. Give me one second. Simply did. Go yeah, ahead. Cause yeah. I know you're at work. And since you got unmuted real quick. Go ahead. Yes. Yeah, so I was gonna ask the brother. Like, I want you to uh my name is Tony Hannah Dennis on Facebook. I want you to look for my uh, Facebook page so that you can promote that. Class and your classes on my page. That was something I think people would really be interested in. So, if you don't mind, I would appreciate it if you sent
4: me a friend request so that I could promote that on my page. Okay, Tony. Okay, I gotta remember that name. <laughs> I, said,
0: Leclerc- I, I got you. I send it to you. you. It. Get okay, off. I make sure. I make sure you follow. I got you. Okay. All right, okay, all right.
3: The question I wanted to ask is um, behind the bullet. Can you tell us a little bit? You mentioned it real fast. I jotted it down. Tell me where, I I think you said Amazon. Tell me, give me a little who, what, when, where, how?
4: Well, you know, it's on Amazon Prime. If you have Amazon Prime, it's on Fedango. It's on Hulu. It's on a a few, like 29 different um, streaming networks. Um, It's a documentary about me and three other individuals around the country who actually took someone's life and now how they're living. Uh, with that uh, particular uh, incident, and how they're functioning, and how things are working for them in life right now. So, it's a real powerful story, just get people to think about before they pull the trigger, what's, what happens uh, to the individual, you know, um, after they take someone's life. You know, because we're in an a, 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 a environment where as though um, it's kill or be killed. And everybody thinking killing is the, is, the, is the way to solve problems, you know. and but you do sometimes create other problems, mental and emotional problems. Uh, if you're not strong enough to handle that or deal with that. That's the so book, the, the, right? Yeah, the part not giving a fuck. Uh, yeah, that's the book right there. Yeah, that's it. That's, that's the book
0: that Will was talking about for everybody.
4: For the book club on Sunday night.
0: Yeah, so for everybody that wanted to know, that's the book that he was holding up. I know a lot of people couldn't see it, but that's the book. Um,
3: Oh so tell spell out the whole name. Say the old name of the book so mark that
1: those that challenge that can't
4: read and get it. Yeah, the art of not giving a fuck. It's on YouTube too. It's audio on YouTube. You can you can just um listen to the audio on YouTube and and um you know just listen to the book there and then if you want to come on. On Sunday night, <clears throat> just just um, follow me on Instagram and I'll give you the link. You can sit in and just listen, or you can actually chime in to what spoke to you in that book, and that chapter. And that's what we really do. We just have a, a conversation about um, what sticks out. Uh, the brother, the Arthur really speaks about some real powerful stuff about problem solving, um, how we see ourselves, um, what we do care about, what we don't care about, that's what the not giving a fuck is. Um, things you really won't give a fuck about, you don't want to give a fuck about. Not really to avoid your emotions or negate your emotions and feelings because that's a part of part of a human being having being emotional,
1: mm-hmm. you know.
4: So um, we go into that really deep and it's um some eyes. I mean, on how no I matter mean, how we see things, and it's all about your perception. I mean, and some people, some people perception is not reality, but it's reality to them. So it's about the shaping the narrative, shaping the mindset, and make sure we um, get the most out of out of life while we are living.
0: You know, so yeah, you got me. I got to get back on there. I listen to you muted dark. I uh I listen to a lot of audio books because I'm always moving around. So when I'm when I'm working, I actually had a headphones in and I listen to it and I got to get back on there. I think I got like five hours left. So I'm only I just got started with the book.
1: <laughs>
0: it's funny because I had that book probably for like a year, I think now, and I just went into another book instead of coming back to that. So when I saw you post that, on uh, your social media, I said, man, I gotta get back into that book. Cause that, yeah. You know, it's definitely an interesting book. Do, it we have any, do we have any books coming? Your, I mean, do you have any books
4: coming out or any? I mean, my book, I only have book, one book up now, my um, autobiography is um, I See Life and Times of Will Little. Uh, I have some of those books myself. We um, come to a class and I can say you went to class, but you can go on Amazon. Um, Amazon, and order the book off of Amazon, if you want to send it to somebody in jail, you can send it to somebody in jail from Amazon too, or somewhere in the country. Um, it's, a, it's like a four or five star book. Um, the ratings go up and down based on who's judging the book on Amazon, but it's, it's a really, really good book, uh, I believe, and everybody else believes. So, um, just check it out. It just tells my transformation, tells my story, and um, how was I became a person the person I am today. But I'm working on another book, um, also called Seven Steps to Transformation. And it's teaching the emotional intelligence and the neuroscience and, and the human system is teaching that in that book. So I'm still in the a, in a pre-stages of that book right now. Um, hopefully I get it done by the end of the year or next year sometime.
1: Okay. okay. Well, we have so why do you think
3: that our young folks are not getting it? Say it again? Why do you think our young folks are not getting
4: it? Because they're not being taught properly. There's a lack of education. I mean, a lot of the young people, they want to learn. They don't want to live in their life. Even the dudes on the street. I mean, I'm, I'm a barber, so, you know, i have be around, I've been around young men all since I've been home. You know, and it's not the fact that they don't want to be doing the right thing. It's the fact that um, they get pulled in, they get influenced um, by their condition, their mind state and their environment. You know, and a lot of guys that's in the game or shooting game, whatever, they want to, you know, they want to be out of it, but because of their loyalty to their homies or their friends or their fear, I mean they don't, they can't get out. Unless they move or relocate. So you see a lot of a lot of the murders uh, that's happening right, right now because the individuals are doing stuff and forgetting they did it. Not forgetting, like literally forgetting, but you know, not knowing how to change their life. After they pull a gun on somebody or shoot somebody or, or maybe kill somebody. I mean, they had no second plan. They had no, no, um, what you call consequential thinking. You know, we got to teach them consequential thinking and proactivity to be more proactive in their thought thought process.
0: Simply D, what you got? I see you raised your hand on here. Well, does your program help change the attitude of young black women? Say that
4: again? Does your program help change the attitude of young black women? Yeah, I mean, of course. I mean, you change the, the attitude of yourself. I mean, it's all about how you see yourself. It reflects on someone else. I mean, most of, most of the negative energy is the, the, the deflection of who you are, not the person you're dealing with. You know, so a lot of people are hurt. So hurt people hurt people. And they hurt them in that way, too. Verbally, physically, um, emotionally.
0: So let me ask you a quick question. Um, since everything that was going on last year, do That's you see... Emotional, uh, how do you word it? Because of everything going on, yeah. Mm-hmm. You see a change?
4: Oh yeah, of course, of course. I mean, I had I had a young man who was his aunt reached out to me, and I'm ready to switch over to my computer because my phone ready to died. Okay. So I had a young man that um a, a young lady that reached out to me for her nephew, and her nephew was going through a real hard time. he uh, feels as though you know he was going. You get killed, or kill somebody on the street, or um, he was cursing his mom out really badly and telling her she wish he, he, he wish she dies, you know. He's you know hole. he's punching holes in the walls. He
1: uh,
4: punching holes in the walls in his house, and then when I sat down with him um, one time, just one time, you know. You know, we had that conversation, I had a man to man conversation with him, and I told him about you know how to deal with his emotions, how to deal with his feelings. He was lacking his father in his life, so that's, that's one of the main problems that he had, you know. And um, I was telling him the same thing you know? I grew up without my father, uh, I see my father like five times in my whole life, you know? and that's three times when I was the devil. So, um, when I started connecting TV with him,
0: on and can you his, me? yeah, I can hear you. Somebody got a TV on and it's drowning his vocals, I can't hear him. I hate the TV, but I don't know who it is. Can you hear me now? Yeah, I
4: can hear you, go ahead. Right. So when you start connecting with me, um, then we just had that kind of connection. That's what you gotta build, a connection with people. And when you build that connection with them, like my audience or my crowd, I mean, or my class, I make sure I set the connection, which is the right energy and frequency that we're on. I mean, so we can really have that kind of conversation which digs a little deeper than a normal conversation. So um, after that one time, changed his whole life around. And um, he graduated from school. He wasn't going to school at first. He graduated from school with honors, you know, have more respect for his mom right now, even to this day, that's like three years ago. And now he's still, I was gonna have him on Channel 10 with me, because Channel 10 did, this. I just did something with Channel 10 on the issue of violence and gun violence in the city probably like a month ago. And they wanted to interview, they wanted to bring that interview um, onto the Channel 10 news to show the transformation that this young man had within our session. And most people, when you see on my page, the testimonials, they say, look, like, oh, I've been here for an hour, 15 minutes, or two hours and it already inspired me to do so much more. I mean, so it's just the fact that the information is not being provided, the service is not being provided for the community. Because a lot of these leadership people in leadership roles, they have reached their ceiling when it comes to information. Right. And the one thing you got to do, if you if you're a leader or if you're a teacher, you got to continue to educate yourself. The more value you bring to yourself, the more value you can bring to your students or your listeners or your community. And that's what we're not doing, you know? So that's why I had to leave Philly. I had to get out of here. Like, I done done reached the ceiling here. I done connected with everybody here. And I feel as though I need to grow more. So I was able to branch out. I mean, connect with an organization that came a part of called One Life Fully Live in California, and then, Trickle into that, I just connected with other this person, that person, this person, this person. Robert Kiyosaki is another friend of mine. Um, you know, Robert Kiyosaki which is That Poor Dad. And we developed a great relationship. You know what I'm saying, because he was teaching about financial literacy and everything else. Actually, he gave me like three of his three of his games right here called um powerful, good, great games. You could use that with kids too as well. I'm gonna use this in my classrooms when I start teaching um, the RIP movement again. Uh cash flow. Cash flow is a very uh um significant game that teaches you your relationship with money and most of our problems because they're coming from money but most people don't know that most of our emotions are connected to our money too we spend out of emotion so if I'm, gonna,
1: if
4: I'm going through something i'm gonna go buy some food buy some clothes get my hair done buy some alcohol some drugs why to make me feel a little bit better we're trying right. to fix the problem we're not solving right. so you fix the problem the problem always on return you solve right. a problem, you have to go back to, going back to that problem, you just move on from that problem.
3: Got 99 problems and they continue to continue to revolve. After right. you solve one, you create another one, so it's always 99.
4: Right, exactly. So you, you cycle, you're recycle, you recycling the same problems over and over again. So you're not really growing through it.
3: Mark, that's gotta be you with the radio. It's drowning. No, I'm muted. Everybody else is muted.
0: No, I'm muted. That's, that's Will TV. That ain't us. That's it. Because I muted everybody just to see who it was. But that's Will. Yeah. That's not me. Yeah, that's
4: me. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Look, you see how she blaming me?
4: You yeah. <laughs> <laughs> picked it up. Yeah. Okay.
0: No, that wasn't us. My bad. <laughs> Look, That's why I muted all the hosts to see was it us or was it him? That's right. So what's up with the shirts? Are you still doing the uh, peace shirts and... Uh, <laughs> No, not now.
4: Um, I kind of just put that on hold because I was so busy doing everything else. Right. And um, I'll mm. probably bring it back sooner or later. Once I get everything organized and focused again, I'll probably, I probably um, help this, the the, um, the, um, the young men and women teach them how to actually brand their own shirts too as well. That's one of the things we're going to bring to the table. Um, I have a lot of partners and friends in the city that they're going to actually um, like we did before in the barbershops, we brought a lot of people who were from different genres and different forms of work to come in and share with them their experience, their career. And uh, I was blessed to have like some of the guys from the wire to come to the barbershop, talk to the, talk to the kids, because the wire is popular around the time too as well. Um, young black man from the Philadelphia Orchestra, he's like 20 years old. Um, um, uh, the brother, um, Smack from um, deaf art, teaches about airbrushing and things of that nature. So we had a lot of people come in and pour into the young people, but now, with this program right here, we're gonna have that same community of people, individuals to pour into them, but also my other organizations outside of the state. I mean, from all over the country to come in to pour into a lot of these young men, these entrepreneurs, these wealthy entrepreneurs to come in and actually teach young men how to build um, businesses uh, from scratch. Also uh, financial literacy, all those different things. So we're gonna have a wealth of information uh, in this facility uh, that we are putting together.
0: It's nice, it's nice to have a facility, isn't it? Now yeah. you can really do exactly what you want to do and right. bring people to the forefront to make things happen. Right, exactly. Yeah, that's, that's definitely, when I saw that, I was like, that's what's up. Because there's nothing like having a headquarters mm-hmm. that you can actually move out and do everything that you want to do without trying to rent a spot and people want you to get out this time and that. Yeah, and this yeah exactly. more yeah. freedom to be able to move. Yeah. So that's now, where's that location at again? That's 23rd and Snyder,
4: right across from the Asia Hall. Okay. So we also had the Asia Hall building, too, the big building they did today um, with the vaccine thing. So that's why I do my poetry and motion shows at. So we still have that hall, too, for performances or for conferences, but the classes room is going to be across the street in another building.
0: Okay. Now, You touched on poetry since you brought it up. Let's talk about it. <laughs> 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 what's, what's up with the poetry?
4: Well, we, I mean, I just, I've been doing a reunion. I just started doing a um, reunion with my group, with the team, uh, the last two months. We do, yesterday we had a reunion, poetry and motion reunion with everybody who was in poetry in motion. We had like probably 60 or 70 members in that, in that group. And a lot of them are scattered out across the country now too. the moving and got their new lives together. But uh, we plan on doing another, another show if uh, things open up to 75% capacity by the summertime, uh, plan on doing like a welcome back show or the best of poetry in motion show again. So I know our viewers, I mean, our supporters loved it. They loved the show. I mean, it was one of of the shows that you probably won't see nowhere else, but um, we want to bring that back. I want to continue that too as well. I want to take it on tour as well too once I get everything um, on point with um, the mentoring programs and stuff like that. I do want to take that on tour because it's all about health and, and mental health, emotional health within those poems and and that comedy stretch and stuff like that. So everything I was doing surrounded my growth, I mean, and awareness. So Poetry emotion was one of those, like I took Poetry emotion in, in the prisons. We did school tours with Snicker Villa and all that stuff like that with Poetry Emotion. So we've been around North Carolina with hoops and all of them down to some of the Steelers. So we did a lot of work in the last, um, I'll say 18 years uh, with members in the group of Poetry emotion Motion. So it's, it's very, It's arts and education that way. So it's the way we tackle education through the arts and real-life stories through poetry, you
3: know. All right, well, let's get, do time check. It's 8 o'clock and you're listening to Sador Presents an Open Conversation. We in here talking to the brother, Will Little. Um, Very inspirational. Um, Give me an IG page again so they can reach out to you.
4: Uh, Latif, L-A-T-I-F underscore Muhsin, M-U-H-S-I-N.
3: the one that was the quiet one for the night, he's always there. You know the brother that don't need no ever needs an introduction. Let him know you here. Yeah, because people
0: listening and they probably they, they probably don't even know you on. <laughs> Look, he, what He's you talking about? So Who do
2: you think I'm talking <laughs> about? Look. <laughs> 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 Hey, what's up, what's up, what's up? It's your boy, and I'm back in the building. Definitely
3: is, always. And you know the man that always gets it wrong, but gets it right at the same time. Mr. Simply D, what's going on?
0: Let's see if he can unmute himself. It, 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 it takes a Let's see. It
3: takes, yeah, it takes some more. He's in the bathroom with that man. But... <laughs> It takes some time, but he'll get there. Um, it was a pleasure having you on this evening.
1: Thank
3: you. Um, very enlightening. we always great having you come back and speak with us. Uh, we apologize for the shortness and delay Mark going to the and us moving around. But life is what life is after COVID has given us all a new life. Right. Um, Believe it or not, it was it was still good because we still got to do that whole hour.
1: Yeah, uh, so uh,
0: we got a lot of information, and I got a couple of people I definitely want to uh, read their comments. They said, uh, "Love the story." She's from the islands over there. I can always get it mixed up. I know it's over there near Jamaican stuff. <laughs> That's where she at. Um, and also, we have keep it up. Our people need to hear and help keep up the great work. So we got some people that definitely commented on here. And for everybody that missed it, like I always say, y'all can always go back to YouTube. It'll be uploaded within the half an hour on our YouTube channel, Sidor Radio. And, and Will, one thing I want to definitely put out there for you is anything, because it's been too long that you've been on with us. I think you said five years you came on. Right. That's but a shame
3: got, and a disgrace.
1: Yeah, we
0: got to definitely have you on more as you make these moves. That's one thing that Sador and open conversation, period, mm-hmm. likes to do is to spotlight different things that you're going on. Like simply D said, follow him so he can promote. Okay. One thing, and I'm not sending no shots at nobody. I'm just saying, mm-hmm. as far as where we stand, is that we like to promote, you know, period. Here, right. when people making moves, there's no, you know, I send you a bill or cash at me, none of that. Mm-hmm. It's more so give us the information so we can spread it on. Wow. And, and since the last time you was on with us, we grew because now the, the radio station is in North Carolina, South Carolina, Atlanta, <laughs> Philly and New York. We have different shows that's on this station. Oh, great. So, great. you know, it's good that you told me that I think you travel because mm-hmm. one thing that I definitely would like to do is hook you in to, you know, those individuals that's in different cities. So that way they can promote that you're going to be in a North Carolina or New York or wherever you're gonna be to help uh, promote this movement that you're doing because it's very important um, to us as people, period. Women and men, little girls and young men because we need to start thinking different and moving different. That's the only way we really gonna win. You know, to have that type of mind frame that you know we move different instead of just jumping out and just doing crazy stuff that basically can (laughs) change your life forever and yeah. not in a positive way.
4: Yeah, one bad decision, one bad choice. change your
0: yeah. Like like somebody <laughs> used to tell me growing up, it's easy to uh, get in trouble, but it's hard as hell to get out of it. For <laughs> yeah.
1: sure.
0: Miss Darkchild, unmute yourself real quick before we end. I see you saying
1: something.
0: <sighs> nope, still can't hear you. I,
3: I said you ain't never lied.
0: Yeah, definitely. It's hard. So, any
3: so we appreciate or- you coming in, and, and one last thing, I'm, you know I'm dying to get off this 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 this, this radio because I want to go see Behind the Bullet. I'm curious. I got it written down, yeah. and it's right here in front of me. Whoever I get ready to talk to, uh, one of my homies is going through it. Um, her brother was one that got um murdered at the prison last night. Oh wow. Forty three minutes after he was
4: released. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I seen that too. No guns on please. So um
3: I'm I'm in I'm fuddling phone calls between her emotions and their emotions. So I just want to make sure that everybody's okay and you know, stand in peace and in faith. So I definitely want to go and watch this behind the bullet and send my prayers out to everybody. Um Absolutely. it is what it is.
4: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Again, thanks, Will. I appreciate you. Thank you, guys. Any information, anything you got, please make sure you inbox it to me. April, I'm going to look for that April date so people can come out there. And uh, we were actually filming. That's why I couldn't make it Saturday. I know you sent me that flyer. So I definitely send me the date as soon as you got it so I don't schedule no uh, shootings as far as the filming and stuff like that. I can try to make it out there. Okay, great. Yep, yeah, indeed. Y'all. Thanks everybody for checking out Sador Presents Open Conversation Show here on Sador Radio. Check us out the uh, first Thursday here on Sador Radio for our next topic. Again, Mr. Fastlane, Simply D, Ms. Dark Child, I appreciate
1: y'all. Be safe. Much love, and we are out. Peace.